Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Let's go places. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Welcome to Made by Women, a new podcast by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. At a moment when businesses face some of the biggest challenges in recent history, we bring you inspiring stories, practical insights, and shared learnings to help you successfully navigate in today's environment. Every Thursday, Made by Women will showcase the experiences of legendary women entrepreneurs, fierce up-and-comers, and everyday women who found success their own way. Consider this your real-world MBA, designed for the new now. I'm Kim Azzarelli, and thanks so much for joining us today. Smart investing is a path to empowerment, and Lule Demise is on a mission to see that everyone from every background, has an opportunity to succeed financially. Lule is president of Ally Invest, part of Ally Bank, the all-digital bank. She wants to help get more people on the path to a secure financial future. Now, Lule's background gives her a unique perspective on financial services. Not only is she a woman of color and a member of the LGBTQ community, she also took an unusual and fascinating route to her current role. In today's conversation, Lule is going to reveal why money is more than dollars and cents, why we need a new definition of investing, and why we can all benefit from listening to the many voices around us. Enjoy my conversation with Lule Demise from Ally Bank. Lule, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So you are the president of Ally Invest, which is part of Ally Bank. What does your role involve? So I run the product and business that really governs the investing arm for retail investors for Ally. So that means individuals who want to trade securities for their own accounts or who would like to have their money managed because they may want to have an expert sort of hand on it. All those things come to my business's doorstep in terms of how people interact with the market. Well, this is obviously a very important and incredibly timely Role and Ally Bank is such an interesting bank, and I'd love to talk more about that. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. 
uh, maybe both your your personal background and also your professional background? Yeah. I often refer to myself as a vagabond. I am, (laughs) technically speaking, an immigrant. I was born in Ethiopia. I'm originally from Ethiopia. I was there until I was about eight years old. My parents' stories, much like many others, they immigrated both for opportunity, but also for political freedom. At that time, we had a very um, rigid communist regime that was governing Ethiopia. Most of my family fled from that. And then my father, who thankfully was very well educated, was able to find jobs in different parts of Europe. So I was uh, raised in different parts of Europe, from Greece to England, and then came back to East Africa. And then I ended up in the U.S. for a few years of my high school years, as well as college. And really, when I came to New York is when I said to myself, wow, I'm home. (laughs) New York City for a vagabond like me is a home for vagabonds. And so as a New Yorker, I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) Um, So really, that's that's sort of like the footprint of my geographic experience in my life. So you early on found your way towards finance. Did you have an early childhood inclination towards this or was this something that came to you in college? How did you get into finance? So, you know, it's interesting. I, I was always a curious child. Um, so regardless of finance, I was, I was always, you know, I loved to see how things worked, how, what made things tick. So I've been a, a student of human behavior and just everything that really just makes things tick. I've always been curious and when I came across finance, it struck me that in, indeed it's one of the most superpowers to understand behavior and how things tick. And so for that reason, it felt really interesting to me. So I pursued first uh, as an undergrad an economics major. I was at a liberal arts cool school, which I really enjoyed. And then after my undergrad years, decided that I wanted to pursue a career in financial services because I felt again it was a place that could both empower my career, but also really sort of satisfy this curiosity I had about how things really ticked. I think you were at Smith College. Is that right? I was. I was an undergrad. I went to a women's school. I was a Hermione in my generation. And so I felt like if I went to a normal women's school, I wouldn't feel so awkward raising my hand and and partaking. Uh, That curiosity often turned me into the one who would raise her hands a lot. <laughs> well, that's that's a good thing, as we all know. That That's how success is built. And from there, your first job was at J.P. Morgan? So I was fortunate enough to be at a school where opportunity was, was made available. And if you were smart enough to take advantage of it, which I was, just because, you know, as an immigrant, you can't look back often enough. And so I uh, applied for an internship program at J.P. Morgan. It, uh, it opened up a lot of opportunities and really taught me how capital markets worked, how the understanding and the intelligence around money was so important. And very early, I understood money is not just about what it buys you, but what systems it powers. And so that was really um, a fascinating place for me to start. Well, as you know, I was also in that JP Morgan program by chance. And I'm, you're probably the only person I know or that I've met recently that was in that same program. So I know how powerful it was. So from there... You decided to pursue finance as a career. Uh, and how did you make your way to Ally Bank? So a, a long way path. Uh, I've been at this now for about 25 plus years. I started after JP Morgan, a, a team of financial advisors recruited me at Merrill, who were working at JP Morgan to be part of their team. And so I learned how to be a financial advisor, which is a really interesting profession as well. It taught me an appreciation for the customer, the end customer's 
understanding around money. Uh, I, it gave me a deep appreciation how money is more emotional than it is logical for most people and how that emotion was triggered. It taught me about what is it you have to listen to and consumer behavior. And so I always tell people that, you know, where I got my first inkling on wanting to be in front of the customer and financial services was becoming an advisor. And then after about two plus years of doing that, I decided as an immigrant, I really needed to load up on my credentials because ultimately, I, I, should, I should also mention, I'm a member of the LGBTQ community. And I felt like for many reasons, this was going to be my, my America was going to be my home. I just embraced everything about the way it was more accepting from where I came from. And so I went to grad school. I, I pursued my business school degree there uh, at Columbia Business School. And so you, you get your business school degree. Uh, you have a pretty impeccable background from there. And you ultimately, you end up at TD Bank before going to Ally and building a very significant business. So you're sort of a builder as well. I am. I am. I actually started out in Morgan Stanley. Uh, Morgan Stanley gave me an offer after business school. And that's where I got the bug. Um, really, I, I was in strategy and product development at Morgan Stanley. And I realized I'm a builder. It wasn't that I didn't appreciate running a business. I love running a business, but I run a business as though it is continuously evolving. And that's not always the case in every company you're at. But what I realized is I needed to work at companies that understood and embraced the idea of continuous evolution, regardless of whether the business was established or not. And so that's when TD Ameritrade came knocking on, on the door I, um, after I had about seven plus years of experience at Morgan Stanley, which was a fantastic place to work. And TD Ameritrade asked me to build out their long-term investing capabilities. And I remember when I joined, there were about five people. And we let, when I left, it was you know a multi-billion dollar hundred plus people or organization. And so it was just really satisfying seeing something from creation, from seed to a full capability. Um, and as that happened, Ally knocked on the door and offered me- That a- seems to happen to you a lot, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I am lucky for sure. You know, luck, as I said, is, is an essential part of things. And so when they knocked on the door, it was another opportunity to be a builder again in a different frame, in a different lane. And it's so tell us a little bit about Ally because it allows you to express other types of values, I believe, given the sort of the nature of the consumer and what you're looking to build there. Yeah, you know, back to the point of like the empathy towards the consumer and me being sort of a a lover of a studier of human behavior. What I realized was in order to express some of the next things that all this experience had afforded me to be able to express them. I wanted to go to a shop that actually catered to a, a, a changing demographic. And that is exactly where Ally's at, right? So Ally is an online bank. It's about 10 years old. And the investment shop they purchased a few years ago. But the demographic sort of makeup of our client base, first of all, is fully embracing of digital because we don't have any footprint, right? We don't have any storefront in the, in the classic sense of it. So by definition, already like a digitally inclined customer comes to us. Which also means not necessarily that it only skews young, but it does skew young. And so the demographic of people coming to Ally was very different from uh, the demographics that I was experiencing at TD Ameritrade, which then really does shape and open up the possibilities when it comes to product development and services that you develop. So when you think about building for this next changing demographic, how do you, what's your design model? What do you focus on? Yeah. So a few things. So one design model is really like, you know, at the end of the day, 
the things that I embrace are really universal in the sense that I don't think there's anything revolutionary about the things that I embrace. What I think I do is I bring a different area of focus. And so I really believe in the concept of simplification, right? Typically in our industry, more is better, more products, more tools, more portfolios. I really espouse to the model of less is more. And so in the way that we design products and services, my whole thing is if you violate the less is more model, you've just put work on the customer's plate. And that is a sin. You cannot put work on the customer's plate. And so one of the premises when I walk into any business problem is how do I find its simple, elegant truth rather than pasting on top of it a ton of product solutions and product features and complexity that might not be necessary. I feel like we need you across all industries. <laughs> it's hard to live up to, but you know, I, I find that if you make it an ethos, you hold yourself accountable throughout the creation process. By definition, creation can be an additive thing. So you end up like at the end of the rainbow and you've created this monster and you're like, how come I had the, the intention of keeping it simple? But then I ended up with this complexity. And I think that's because you just have to be really like maniacal in that simplicity throughout to look at every step of the creation process and say, what editing should I do? I do? What simplification should I do? So that by the time you've reached the end, again, if you've done it right, you've distilled it to the simplest and truest form. That's such an interesting technique. How do you not get invested, too invested in your own work product that you're able to then throw it out and, and simplify it? A few things. I mean, I borrow, you know, as I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to things that help with process. Uh, so I'm a student of Lean. I'm a student of Agile. And there's a lot of stuff that I've borrowed over the years here and there, but a few ways. One is I have learned over the years that if you show your work along the way, it gets you out of your head because other people are not there navel gazing with you, right? They can look <laughs> at it objectively, right? And be like, mm, it doesn't work in this way or it doesn't work that way. And so I am a huge proponent of a culture that promotes the showing of the work as things are happening. Again, it has this edifying quality to it, right? Another thing I really believe in is um, sort of transparency across the board. Like, you know, I feel like creation in this era requires a tremendous amount of courage. And because to be transparent, you have to be courageous, right? And so if you try to drive a culture of transparency, both in terms of how the work is done, how the thought process was, testing with customers on a regular basis, I think it allows you again to make sure that you are creating something that doesn't have an element of like, everybody else thinks your baby's ugly except you. <laughs> yeah, that's not where you want to end up. <laughs> we'll be back with Seneca's Made by Women after this short break. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic 
treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Digital trends show up every day in business decisions and actions. West Monroe is the number one strategic partner translating technology into financial value for companies. The This Is Digital podcast applies West Monroe's two decades of secrets and best practices to your business's benefit. Favorite past topics from the last three seasons include how AI and the next generation of employees are shaping the workplace, becoming a product company, Highmark's journey, and what does it mean to put the customer first. Learn more at westmonroe.com. So you've been building at Ally a pretty interesting model, and you've been looking at this changing landscape of the consumer. How can we be intentional about making sure that women and people of color are part of this new reality? A few ways. I think one is making sure that we bring different voices into the conversation of what financial services is about. I think a lot of times we talk around the circumference of like the outer edges of what diversity looks like, meaning what the intentions around diversity is, rather than the work that it takes to happen, right? And so there's a few ways. So one of the things that we've started to really lean into at Ally is not just the empowering of the consumer through education. I think education is an important antidote to lots of things, but it's not just education. It's education, financial education and insight that brings different voices to it. So how does a new immigrant who is working their way through and is doing well invest versus a third generation? Who a third generation person who's, you know, whose forefathers went to college and grad school and went to, you know, versus a new immigrant who has this pull and tug between the money they're saving and the people they need to help either within this country or at home. And what does that do to their financial picture? How does how do you give them tricks of the trade so that they don't reach 60 years of age and had the same career as somebody who's a third generation, but is that much poorer, right? Because of the fact that they were not given these adaptive skills that recognize their situation. So I do believe that one of the ways we make it inclusive is bringing in those stories, those financial stories and giving in those financial tricks of the trade, if you will, and best practices for a wider net of people and a wider net of stories around it. I think what you're saying is so important because again, and it kind of comes to your customer first mentality, right? Which is what's the experience that you're trying to solve for? And I think that's maybe very different because I think a lot of people right now are focused on how do we include women, women of color, people of color, but maybe people aren't really thinking through what's the real issue? What are the structural barriers? What are the situational barriers that are holding 
women back, for example, from investing. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. It is. And I think that part of it is barriers, but you know, I'm a person, you know, there's an old Swedish saying that I say all the time, which is that those who wish to sing always find a song. And, you know, as a person who grew up where my parents were left their country with no money in their pocket and they had some wealth when they were in Ethiopia, no money in their pocket because of what situation we had to start it all over again. As a person who's understood what starting all over is, I'm always going to find a song, right? So part of it is, yes, how to think about those structural barriers. But part of it, the other part of it is, what's their song? Why don't you give some mics to their song? Because they are singing a song. They're, you know, These folks are not just on the outer edge suffering. They have stuff they're doing to help their financial picture. Bring that in. Make that part of the playbook to advise others to give them a song as well. So yes, structural barriers, but also the flip side of it is see people. What are they doing? How do we learn from them as much about how what their tricks of the trade are in understanding their financial situation? Yes, super interesting. I remember Professor Prahalad, who you probably remember who wrote The Fortune at the Bottom of the Pyramid. I thought, I remember in 2005, I heard him speak and it really changed my perspective because it was, it was an interesting day when he was speaking, Jeff Emmelt, who was then CEO of GE, was speaking and my former boss, Andrea Jung of Avon was speaking, and he was talking about why are we viewing the emerging markets as poor people and as you know, people who need to be reached out to with charitable um, ideas. We should be looking at sort of the emerging markets as partners in growth. And when you look at people that way, it's a completely different strategy. Same w- widgets. And so like you'll see, so we, we've seeded what we call a point of view strategy at Invest, which is trying to have organic perspectives on the markets and investing. So we, we hardly use like third, we don't just put a sta- rubber stamp on third party reviews. We have a team of experts that are sort of formulating how to help you navigate the markets. But then we also bring in people to interview them to say, how do you handle the markets? How do you handle investing? Again, because it's not just us that holds the collective wisdom, right? People right. hold the wisdom. And so if you bring their wisdom into the, into the conversation, not only does it make our services better, but then people see themselves and there's no other motivator than to bring people under the tent of opportunity than for letting people see themselves. Yeah. And that's really what we're dedicated to here. This whole, you know, being able to see yourself and see others and hear people and hear them where they're at. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you about has to do with how we invest. And obviously, over the last several years, there's been a big emphasis in investing in ourselves and self-care. How does this relate to the grand scheme of things? How should we be thinking about investing in our communities, not just investing in ourselves? I mean, I think there's a several ways to think about it. You know, one thing is to, to remember that investing is not only just money, right? So, you know, what community activities do you take part in? I mean, especially this virtual world has taught us how, like, the world is flat now, right? It's truly flat. You know, I have, you know, an exercise group that now used to be just local, but now has people from like Kuala Lumpur joining, right? Because it's gone virtual. The world is flat. So I think part of it is just, you know, making sure that we expand our definition of investing. Our time is a form of investment. Our talent is a form of investment. Like, do we share our talent with other people? Um, you know, I probably do at least two to three mentorship programs, something, somebody, not only at Ally, but anywhere a week. And it's religious for me in terms of being able to do that. 
And then of course, money is, is another form of it. So I think, I think it just being intentional with all of the goods and services that we carry in our own skin, not just in our bank account, I think is a means of making sure that we get connected to our communities. But I think another thing is, as I said earlier, is sort of like knowledge is power. And so how do we share with communities knowledge? And in my space, it's investing knowledge, right? The business I'm in. And so that's one of the things we try to do is like, how do we share, how do we flatten the word by making knowledge available? So we have conferences we hold, for instance, we have one coming up in this quarter in a few days where we are sharing knowledge, both in terms of how to invest, but also just things you should know about what's happening in the markets and how they could be shaped differently. So I think there's several ways we we commit to our communities. But in the end, I think it's like we account by it by the time we've spent, not just the money we've spent. So I know there'll be many, many people listening to this podcast wishing they could get advice from you, especially career advice, certainly investing advice, but also career advice. Is there a piece of advice that you generally share with people who are trying to break into finance or break through in this pretty difficult environment right now? I mean, there's several things, you know, I have, I I call, I tell people all the time, I have a lot of scar tissue, right? So one of the things I tell people is like, don't avoid scar tissue. You can't do anything in life unless you make mistakes. And so the advice I give people a lot is lean in, you know, really take advantage of opportunities. I've never felt there was an opportunity that was too low for me or too high. Um, Yes, there were parts of my life where I had an imposter syndrome. Um, and I tell this to people knowing, and I, I, something I should disclose is I'm dyslexic. Okay. <laughs> so I left my country at eight and I had to learn a new language at eight. And so I, I often tell people like, you know, just lean in, make a mistake, make a fool out of yourself because it's the only way to find glory on the other side. And so that's one thing I say, and I'm not saying be silly in the sense of be imprudent or, you know, don't think, don't be intentional. We should definitely be intentional. But fail because you were intentional. Don't fail because you forfeited, right? And so that's one thing I tell people. The other thing I tell them in in their career is, you know, none of us, none of us get here alone. So be gracious about what you take and be okay about what you give as well, you know? And so make sure that you are giving as much you're taking. And there's nothing wrong with taking. I think taking is, you know, none of us will get somewhere without taking. But be gracious of also giving and giving back of your time and your wisdom to other people. Well, we are so grateful to have you on the show and we would love to have you back. Thank you for everything you're doing and to make fintech and financial services what we hope will be a new era of fintech and financial services. So thank you. Thank you. It was wonderful speaking to you. What an eye-opening conversation. Lule Demise offers such a fresh perspective an empowering and hopeful way to look at the world. Here are some lessons I took away from the conversation. First, understanding what type of leader you are is crucial. Lule learned that she's a builder and the rest is history. Second, simplification is a superpower. As Lule says, less is truly more. When she approaches a business problem, she looks for what she calls the simple, elegant truth, rather than adding products, features, or complexity that might not be necessary. Finally, take the time to listen. When we bring more voices and more stories into the business discussion, we get better services and outcomes for all. To learn more about investing in ourselves and our communities with Lule Demise, 
head over to ally.com slash made by women. That's A-L-L-Y dot com slash made by women. Made by Women is brought to you by the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Do you have a digital mindset? Check out Season 3 of This is Digital. Season 3 of This is Digital goes behind the scenes to reveal how digital trends show up in everyday decisions and actions, including driving profitable growth in enterprise software and how the new sports fan experience can drive revenue. Featuring guests like Chris D'Agostino of Databricks and Scott Crable of Tama Bravo. Check out the latest and greatest on Season 3 of This is Digital and learn more at westmonroe.com.